So when we come around to the bhavana, the cultivation we call meditation, it's very much based upon directing skillful, useful intentions towards yourself, particularly into the body, heart. And intentions mean sort of fundamental directives of mind, such as loving kindness, compassion, simplicity, <coughs> letting go. So the usefulness of um, a thinking system is just about a, to point to to stimulate a particular mode of intention so you kind of consider consider think things over and you get the sense of what what is loving kindness what is kind what does that feel like how do you know you how do you know that experience how do you know it in other people how do you know when that happens, what does it feel like when it happens, what does it feel like when it comes through yourself, how do you experience that so you just you kind of use a concept in order to give yourself um, a topic to consider most of us understand the idea, it's not a tremendously sophisticated or esoteric idea but just thinking the idea alone you know, doesn't necessarily provide the experience (laughs) So, you know, the principle of Dharma, very basic principle I'd like you to bear in mind and and practice with is it's really you have to touch into something such as kindness, generosity, patience, or the body, whatever you touch into, you you focus on it from the right place, you know, from a skillful way, from a wholesome way, from a non-pushing or demanding or obstructive way. Focus on it and you stay with it. You stay with it long enough. It's like, if you can imagine that the Dharma is, sometimes the word can be seen as related to the word dharati to hold. So it's like a container. Yeah. And it's you build up a container, you actually create a container you build it up and you, you let it contain. And as you just let the energies, the mind, the sensitivities, the awareness build up inside that. So you might say you take on a dhamma of, of loving kindness and that acts as your contain, that's your reference, that's your search engine if you like. And you just keep that there and you start to just put sieve and you put all the things in there that give rise to that feeling thoughts, recollections, moods, memories, intentions, places where you're moved in that particular way towards others. If it's a dog, cat, human being, relative near, far, yourself or others, dead or alive, you just put everything in that container till it fills up and fills up and fills up, brims to the point where you, you can, you, it becomes almost palpable. You know becomes almost a palpable quality and as it starts to fill up you can feel it in your body you start to experience a quality of first of all it cleans out the negativity the greyness 
the hopelessness, the drabness, the impotence, the frustrations. It just starts to flush that out. Because, yeah, that's all. That's all true. If you want to contain a, if you want to have a rubbish bin, you can have a rubbish bin. You can put all your rubbish in it. If you want to actually go around collecting rubbish, yeah, you could do that. But why don't you start to create something that will collect all the good and dwell in that? You know. It's not to say there isn't any rubbish, <laughs> but uh, for right now, why don't we just collect the good and, and hold it, hold our minds there, hold our receptivities in that particular frame of reference, let it fill up. First, you may get a, a sense of it, a little flush of it, oh, that's nice, right, very good, and now I, no, 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 you know, no now I do anything, just stay with it. Got to actually really downshift the doing energy. Downshift to a, well, I've done that for five seconds, what next? You want to knock that one out of gear. Yeah. Yeah. Until it becomes timeless and becomes something that's got enough body in it that you start to taste it, sit in it, enjoy it, appreciate it, and Fill up with it till it fills your till it fills your body. So you come from a sense of clearing out the negative, then the quality of uplift and joy, then the sense of of uh, real um, spreading it through, through your whole what all that you can feel of your body. The message of that quality of say kindness, goodness, till your your body starts to relax. Mm-hmm. And then from that sense of the body being relaxed and the mind steadies and this is where we get the experience called samadhi. Mm -hmm. It happens. So there's both a doing and a non-doing in Dhamma practice. The doing is to bring to mind, to look in the right way, to attend in the right way and to, to sustain, to stay with it and to keep putting aside those, those energies, those attitudes that want to take you out of it. So there is a doing, there's a guarding, and a protecting, and a cultivating, and a bringing to mind. That's what you do. And there's something that you don't do, which occurs through Dhamma itself, as the process of, as the experience of the Dhamma builds up, it starts to overflow, it moves you on, it shifts you, and it's rather like filling up a small cup with water till it overflows, and as it overflows it flows into a larger basin, and as it overflows from the basin it it fills up a pool, and as it overflows from the pool it fills up an ocean, so your mind gets vast and wide and spacious. Mm-hmm. So there's the doing, and then there's this really wonderful non-doing, which shifts you, which does it for you, which which moves you along. That's the causal conditional process of Dhamma. And what we do as cultivators is we 
connect, we at least bring up that theme for recollection. Could it be that way? What if it was that way? Wouldn't that really be what the sacred is about? Are we, are we involved in something sacred or is it just another piece of me shifting furniture around in my room? <laughs> Putting new wallpaper on? Or is it really something that's going to move us into the sacred? What's the sacred? Sacred is the bigger than me. Sacred is the vaster than me. Sacred is, the, is where the me sense can rest. Sacred is the deathless. And uh, what we're doing here is not just things that help to make our lives a little tidier or more inspired. Certainly that's, that's great. But to take it further than that into the realm of the sacred. It's a, it's a yoga. And we have to know what finally we're connected to in our yoga. The supreme connection is the connection to the sacred. And you can, you, can, you can make that connection. There's no reason why you can't. As a human being, you have that birth, that possibility. As a human being, you have the faculty to do that. You don't have to be that brilliant. You don't have to be that strong. You just have to make the connections to, the, to these forms that you already have. Your thought form, your heart form, your body form. Where they blend and find union this is where the Dhamma will grow. It's a patient process. It's a humble process. It's a mysterious process. Mm. To me, this is what makes life worth living. start perhaps just doing something very simple on the bodily level the thing we all somehow feel is uh, a very fundamental reference for our Dhamma practice sitting here (laughs) and what that's about why sit Sitting essentially is the balancing of the spine and breathing in and out. Balancing the spine, breathing in and out. To work on, if you like, the the more just the more crudely physical aspects of it. Uh, the sitting itself you sit in a way whereby your, your spine can be restored to its, to its, flexible, its flexible strength the spine is ideally something that's like a spring it's got a certain springiness to it unfortunately we generically this doesn't mean every single one of you but generally Generically, our way of life tends to damage or constrict or stiffen the spine because a lot of the time we're, we're held 
quite like having your arm in a splint all the time for a lifetime it, it's not the, the muscular suppleness goes out of it but similarly when you sit in resting your back upon things chairs and so forth cars, you sit in a car um, you don't the back kind of dies <laughs> so we use the sitting posture to, to try to come back into our backs, into our spines and depending on you know how well trained or well oiled or well exercised that is this can be um, you know something you've got to gradually develop because if you if you if it really is under underdeveloped then you can't do that much of it so you have to sit and then stand and then walk and then bend and then move around a bit and sit and so forth that's fine so whenever we're sitting here uh, rather than just lock or get yourself feeling you've got to sit no matter what feel free to, to quietly and gently wriggle and shift a little bit or stand at any particular time so you want to get out of the sense of clamped you know that sitting is a kind of clamped clamped state the sitting upright is sitting rigid sitting upright is sitting like sitting as a spring where spring sits useful if you are um, you are sitting is to come off the more fleshy part of the, of the, the buttocks try to come towards the there's a bony structures um, which are if you were standing up they'd be very much in the lower region of the buttocks where, it's where, where the, the legs are there are a couple of bony structures under the pelvis so it'd be the very you know, lower aspects of your buttocks so if you're sitting you don't want to kind of sit back on the flesh you want to actually rock forward slightly so you're coming on to the, to the, the more bony flanges in the base of the pelvis this is simply because if you do this you will get your sacrum and lumbar vertebra in the most easeful and balanced position if you're sitting on the flesh the tendency is to have a slight of a backward leaning sacrum you know, and then you get a fold in your belly uh, and that the back, backward leaning sacrum will definitely damage your discs in due course of time <laughs> or at least cause them discomfort and the, the fold in your belly would, will definitely restrict your breathing so um, you know this is uh, really um, unhelpful way to sit and meditate if you're sitting in a chair you can do the same thing you can just kind of like rock forward and come right on the on the bony edges uh, rather than the flesh pad you can use a cushion or a wedge to just prop your butt so you're coming slightly forward um, but if you're sitting cross-legged then just try with swinging leaning your body forward and then as you lean forward then 
sort of start to come back without coming onto the the flesh of the backside. See where, as you swing back carefully, see where you feel the most balanced, where the spine is coming straight out of the pelvis. And it's not it's not straight like a ruler because the spine has got an S curve in it. But it feels balanced. And it's a place where if you're in balance your shoulders can drop and relax. And that's really, really important. Really important. Enormous amount of stress is carried to the shoulders and neck. This is our primary doing. Yeah. Our primary doing areas, whether we're typing, driving, cooking, building, we're up in our shoulders and necks. So this gets a huge amount of, uh, of activation, and this is the place where most, most strongly you, you want to do nothing. And you don't want to have it locked. So you try to sit in a way you can drop, with like shrugging your shoulders down your back just like you're slipping a bathrobe off your shoulders and lengthening your waist so if you're hanging upside down and your waist feel long dropping your shoulders opening the throat placing, positioning the skull rather like uh oh a football on top of a fount of water. So if you imagine a current of water and the football just bouncing on top of it. That's the that's the ideal image for the way the spine sits on the neck. Rather than a kind of screw top on a bottle. <laughs> Where you can actually of course, feel the neck clamped and you feel the head kind of like you've got no neck, it's just the head clamped on top of shoulders but it's kind of band of tension in between the two so if you can you know, get your head balanced, skull balanced, it'll help your neck muscles to relax your neck muscles relax, just play with the idea of undoing a neck scarf or a collar around your neck roll your head a little bit, turn your head a little bit let it feel free and soften the floor of the mouth jaw and more subtly open the throat open your throat like a sigh Loosen the voice box like a sigh. Let the throat feel open. The less tension you have in your body, the easier the body will breathe. The less tension you have in your body, the softer the connective tissues are. The softer they are, the more you'll be able to sense subtle energies moving. If you're tight and hard, that constricts 
both the channels themselves and your awareness because all you're aware of is the sense of tight or hard or determined or straight or doing it really well or whatever it is you want to loosen up all that stuff to making it just really ordinary more ordinary than things normally are <laughs> and then ask yourself am I breathing how do I know I'm breathing am I breathing how do I know I'm breathing what tells me I'm breathing with no particular effort of the will to do it find it make it happen but just how just that checking in how does the body know it's breathing you feel some rhythm some movement some sensations hold that patiently hold that hold it like holding a bird too hard you crush it not focused it flies away hold it like holding a bird are you breathing in or are you breathing out how does your body know what breathing in is how does it know what breathing out is how deep does an out breath go you get that sense of releasing, dropping, letting go how deep, how far down does that go down to your chest your solar plexus your belly deep down does it go when does it stop when has it finished itself and then when does it want to begin as it begins just keep the connection little thought suggestions where is it now as it move how's the in breath how much does it need is there anything stopping me breathing in all I need all the time in the world and when, when it knows it's breathing enough how it stops softly turns and begins to release you tune in with your thinking mind just to keep those whatever suggestion whatever tiny momentary question is needed to touch, touch, touch process keep your heart attuned to the ease it's not easy it's not at ease 
what's getting in the way? Could you stop doing that? Could you relax that? If, it's, if it is easy, if it is ease, can you appreciate that? Make much of that. How does that affect you? 